Pick up your paintbrush. It's time for Hobby Support Group. Morning, listeners. Today we are joined with special guest Steve and, as ever, Andy. And today Hello. we're going to be chatting all things bolt action. So you are probably, everyone out there is probably very familiar with um, On Point HQ. If you're painting models uh, and you're not watching it, I don't know why. Why aren't you watching it? Go and watch it now. <laughs> Stop the podcast and put it on. Um, you may know him from Monday nights, ruining your Monday night with a plastic crack. Plastic, I can't say that. Try again. Ruining your Monday night with a plastic crack podcast. Him and the gang hanging out, chatting all things gaming and painting and hobbying. So it's an absolute pleasure to have Steve here on the show. Thank you, Steve. How are you doing this morning? I'm um, very well. And thanks for inviting me. I feel quite honoured, actually. Um, yeah. It's the, it's the first time I've been invited onto another podcast. Wow. So it's my, I think it's my, my very first time. I know um, I think the other ones are a bit more famous than me. They, they get they get invited all over the place. Um, but no, not me. I'm a, I'm the quiet one. <laughs> You're clearly a man of talent. I've seen your painting. So you were definitely uh, someone we wanted to get on the show. Um, so um, has the channel been growing from strength to strength? How have things been going over at, uh, at On Point HQ? um it's been the past year well i didn't put out as much content last year um i was just very busy with other things but yeah it's been going really well um it's 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 it started more of a the way the way it came about was that we me and my mate started a facebook page in 2018 because we weren't getting anything done we were just Mm. we were just starting projects and nothing was getting done so we said let's have a central point where we can log our projects yeah and then later on that year i thought do you know what? Let's start a YouTube channel. So I've got a, I've got a webcam. Uh, I didn't know what I was doing. Um, and it's just gone from there. Um, and I think I'm mainly known for bolt action. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that's the the standard core of what I put out. Um, and if I put out anything different, people will, uh, tend to go, where's the bolt action content? Um, so that's why, that's why 90% of the channel is just bolt action at the moment. But I am expanding into other things. But yeah, it's going really well. Are you expanding into turnips? Uh, just a bit. <laughs> yeah, I've been I've been very excitedly watching your um, your turnip videos. They are fantastic. So um, I think we've talked about turnip twenty eight previously, haven't we, Tom? At some point, but um, if you haven't, go and check it out because Steve has done some incredible t- <laughs> some incredible turnip models. <laughs> I would turnip twenty eight. So it's a it's an exciting game that's out there. Go and find the rules and have a look at some of uh, Steve. Because you're really good at doing conversions, Steve. I'm, I'm not going to hold back. And you are really good at kit bashing uh, yeah. stuff together. They look fantastic. It's one, I keep saying this on, on comments on the podcast. It literally is my favorite part of the hobby is, is kit bashing. I can't, I can't just sit down and build a kit from, from, I have to add something to it or butcher it or chop it up in some way. or just generally make it a bit different to how it used to be. Um, yeah. And Turnip 28, it's just, there's so much creative freedom there. Yeah. Um, I, I mentioned it the other day on, on Twitter, but you're only limited by your imagination. What, what, oh, yeah. if, you can, if you can think it and if you've got the bits and pieces and the super glue and the green stuff, you can do it. And um, yeah, it's just, yeah, I look for inspiration across all, all kinds of social media and the stuff that people are putting out, it's just, it's just, it's so, so strange. Yeah, it's just like... <laughs> It's a passport to the world of the bizarre. Like, go and just, you know, chuck all, go in your bits box, put some roots on something and just, yeah. I mean, <laughs> mad. 
those ones I made last week where I, I put beast men heads on British Napoleonic bodies. Yeah. I thought that's going to work. And it did. And I was like, yeah. Yes, yeah. Um, I, I, I said to the, the guys, I was going to, I was going to try and post them in a Napoleonic war gaming group just to see what the, what the, um, the results would be, but I've not quite plucked up the crew. <laughs> <to do that. laughs> They're going to come around your house, Steve. They're going to be very upset with you. <laughs> Oh, the buttons are the wrong colour. The buttons are the wrong colour. <laughs> 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 the brass buttons. The head's fine. <laughs> oh, would you imagine though? So it's got to be when you do, as you said, ninety percent of these stuff is bolt action. It's got to be quite nice to sort of be making that sort of root shrine compared to like, oh, here's another like M3 priest. You yeah. can't really, you can't do that much kit bashing sort of with a tank, can you? No, I mean, you, you can alter them obviously a little bit and make them up, but it's not. How do I make this a completely unique one off like you do have with the weirdness that is turnip? It, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, at the moment, I've got two projects that are simultaneously being done. So I'm doing uh, a bolt action late war uh, tank destroyer platoon, um, and then I'm doing 28. And you couldn't, you can't get two completely different, <laughs> completely different approaches. Um, I'm spending ages painting the um, the bolt action stuff, but the turnip stuff I can knock out a base in the evening because it's the painting so sort of um, rough and ready and a bit a bit a bit rough shot. It's just, I think, it, but it, it fits the aesthetic the way that I paint it. Um, but no, you're definitely correct. There's there's, there's definitely um, a massive gap between the two uh, <laughs> between the two hobby styles with a with sort of more traditional uh, military or historical game like bolt action to. Um, to peasants in the mud basically <laughs> well, it's nice it must be nice to have that um the two opposites now you can't you can't make mistakes with turnip because it's there is no rules to follow whereas if you're painting a uniform you know there are rules to follow you know? yeah no one no one's going to say sorry steve that's the wrong shade of brown on those root covered um <laughs> soldiers that's I think the tendrils be more of a maroon brown yes actually. yes see so, those those tentacles should be a slighter pink than than you've painted them there mate no you don't get any of that <laughs> Um, it, it literally is, like I say, you're just limited by your imagination, and the the creative freedom is just it's just it, it's endless. It really is. You just you just see what happens. Um, but with 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 more traditional sort of like bolt action, like I, I, like Tom said, you got the uniforms. You can't really deviate outside that unless you want to incur the wrath of the uh, the rivet counters. Um, so that's why I don't I don't do that. <laughs> So you also uh, you're on the the Plastic Crack podcast on a, on a Monday night, yes. and uh, how many of your how many of your team have you got to, to do um, root vegetables so far? Is it has Martin done? I don't, oh, Dom is holding out. He's going to be the last man standing, <laughs> last man in the country, not not carving a a, a radish into the cannon. <laughs> um, Martin is in the middle of one, but he won't share it with anyone. He won't share it with Dom anyway. Um, I know what Martin's doing. I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah. Um, Ken surprised us all last week by unveiling his um, his first unit, which I think he used. I can't remember what he used. Um, there was a Napoleonic base and a bit of a bit of something else in there. But yeah, he's had a go. Um, Dom is holding out. Um, sure, I, I suspect just one day he's just going to like. Well, I had a Tuesday afternoon free, <laughs> and so I painted two thousand points of. Uh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> all done immaculate see the thing the thing, the thing with dom is that you, you never say no because i remember one week on the podcast he said he'd, he'd never paint 28 mil samurai mm -hmm. and two weeks later he painted a load of 28 mil samurai it was just you and uh, burrows and badges as well yeah couldn't get his head around that and all of a sudden he's now got a war band 
So, it's going to wear him down, aren't you? That's what's going oh, to... yeah. <laughs> uh, I think this is the, this is our greatest challenge, though, because he, like he, he says on the podcast, he can appreciate the way it looks, mm-hmm. but he doesn't understand why. I think he's going to have an uh, an army painted in time for your event coming up, uh, uh, Plastic. Uh, the CrackCon yes. uh, 2 is coming up, isn't it? I think the ticket, are the tickets are they tickets still available? Very few. We actually um, we, we we went live last night on the podcast. Yeah, I think Don said this morning we've sold twenty seven so far oh. out of the initial thirty five. Um, wow. So it's it's. It. So what's probably going to happen is by the time this goes out, they'll all be sold out. So all, I apologise to anyone who's listening to this now and goes, <laughs> "Oh, that sounds amazing! I best get myself a ticket because it sounds like there won't be any left to get." Uh, yeah, I think that. I mean, last year when we did the first one, that was we were very much in the dark. We, we'd never done anything like this before, and we were like, "Is anyone going to buy the tickets? Is anyone actually going to show up?" And the tickets flew, uh, and we we had people saying, "No, we had like reserve lists, um, people waiting for tickets, and a few people had to drop out because of um, yeah. circumstances." So people stepped up and bought them. But it was an absolutely fantastic weekend of yeah. Just throwing dice around, meet, meeting people. And that's another thing of going back to the, the whole YouTube thing. The people I've met through doing YouTube is fantastic. Um, it's just such a wonderful community and everyone's so just so friendly and open. Yeah. And just, there's, there's no, there's, I've never encountered any toxicity at all in the community um, for the most part. Yeah. Um, and then for this to culminate in a weekend meeting people. I mean, the, the weekend we had last year, I'd never met the, the other three before ever um i've been in a podcast with him for like 18 months <laughs> never met them um so we all we all congregated in derby um and yeah. then we spent the spent the, the saturday uh, throwing dice around and it was it was spectacular i had a really really great time um we're doing it again in may so yeah definitely looking forward to that um i was very jealous i was watching i couldn't make it unfortunately i was like, jealously watching the pictures go up and <laughs> wished i could have been there the napoleonic black powder game was something else i've never seen a game like that i think i can't remember how many figures the estimate was it might have been about 1200 figures um on the the black powder game but this this year uh, martin's running an even bigger uh wars of the roses game which should come, which should come as no surprise <laughs> to anyone <laughs> martin 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 really martin wars, yeah I, I, do you know what i was as shocked as you were i i had to sit down i was like he's doing wars of the roses never <laughs> I have to say you're, you're absolutely right about um, you know everyone you meet through this. I mean, me and Tom, we started this podcast during lockdown. As just like we were we were talking about games all the time, just phoning each other every day, talking for an hour or so about this games or that. We, were, we should probably record this, and actually did. And um, one of the really good things is that we do get to reach out to people like you, Steve, that yep. we really admire in the community. And actually have a chat with people, you know, we'll talk to manufacturers or people who do YouTubes or, you know, ex- experts in their field and have the pleasure of us hanging out for an hour and a half. So thank you very much for all you do. So I think we think you're great. That's why we have you on the show. Thank you very much. I best we better steer it onto bolt action, hadn't we? Because, you know, that's what we're here to talk about. Yes. Because um, you've been paying some Americans up, haven't you, recently? Yes, I, I had a bit of a... A bit of a hobby lull last year. I'd, I think I'd, I'd, I'd spent the past three, four years just painting bolt action, and I started a project in August. And have you, have you ever had that feeling where you're, you're really enthusiastic for for a, a project, and you get about four percent in, and then go, I can't do this anymore. Mm-hmm. And it was going to be a British force in Burma. I was using yeah. all all kinds of bits and pieces all over the place, and the actual planning, I was really enjoying it. I did the research. I, I found. Mm-hmm 
regiment I was going to use. I built a couple of things and then I sat down one day and I just like this, I can't do this. So I just mm-hmm. stopped painting bolt action and I started painting burrows and badges. Then I moved into turnip um, and I was painting other bits and pieces. And it got to around Christmas time. I thought, you know what? I really feel like getting back into it. So I went through the um, the, the D-Day book, the, the American, the US sector D-Day book from Warlord. And I found this really, really strange list where it's mostly tank destroyers. And I thought, oh, that sounds like a nice way of easing back into the painting, the painting hobby. Um, so I bought all the bits and pieces and I am absolutely enjoying it. I'm ta- it's a completely different approach I'm taking. So I'm, I'm not I'm not painting really fast like I normally do. I'm taking my time. The vehicles are being done um, sort of really methodically. I'm sourcing bits and pieces for stowage. It's just a great way of, of getting back. And sometimes I think you've got to mix it up. I was just going to agree. It's absolutely. I saw. Was it an M10 Wolverine? Yeah, it was the M10. Yeah. I've got one. Oh man, that looked that looked beautiful. I was like, because I've I am more of a get things done tabletop ready. I've got a Wolverine myself, and I was like, oh, I wish I'd taken my time and made mine look as nice as Steve's does. <laughs> so it was really, really good to see. It's the first time I've worked on one. It's a lovely kit, but what I found was that I was I always look through reference photographs when I'm doing mm. all types of projects and all these M10s were covered in in stowage and packs and rolls and tarps I thought yeah. I bought some stowage and made my own um I was just and it I even kept back the crew as well because I don't mm. I don't like the scaled crew the with tiny those. tiny yeah. crew so um I was very precariously chopping um infantry kits in two with craft knives and pliers and all kinds but they look really I think it it look it just brings an extra dimension of character to the to the to the vehicle yeah absolutely and you get a unique piece then which is lovely it's that's one thing i always say about kit bashing is that i can say i've got an army that nobody else has, has got because i've got my last year i did the us airborne in in bastogne mm-hmm. uh, using german great coats as the sort of base one every single figure every figure in that project is kit bashed or converted in some way that's why that's why it took nearly four months to do <laughs> But then once it's done, you've got that army forever. Yes. Hopefully um, forever. Yes, yeah. hopefully forever. Well, notice that Dom's always amazed that I don't sell figures. So he, he, he regularly puts stuff on eBay that he no longer uses. I can't do that. I, I can't sell figures. I I mean, I, I do sell them at my local club. I'll just, I'll let, I'm, if I know it's going to a good home, mm. then I'm kind of more, but I've not sold on eBay before because... That's like giving your kids away to a stranger. Because <laughs> <laughs> they're adopted by a nice family that you know. Here you go, yeah. buy these models off me. I know you are. You're, you'll treat them respectfully. You can have these. It's just a space thing. It's a space thing for me. I paint so many models mm-hmm. and I've got so many armies that I just... It's about keeping, you know, um, that balance, right, between keeping, you know, having the space, keeping my wife happy and having the armies that I'm actually playing with, you know. <laughs> Well, bolt action armies as well. Though, like I've got probably getting on about twenty. Probably right. most of them. Most of them are painted, but it's you can like I can easily paint a bolt action army in a fortnight, or I can spend a couple of months painting one. Yeah, you know, and it's if you're building late war British or anything, you know, and you just want them to play them, and you go, I'm going to this event. I want whatever. You buy the box. You buy a tank, build it, you painted it. No real effort. You've done it. There's no real huge, you know, commitment to it. You know, things like I built like a 1941 deep penetration Russian cavalry army. Again, that's everything's converted. 
everything's weird. They're like horse-mounted anti-tank rifles, all, all that sort of craziness. Never going to sell that because it took months to like source and find. <laughs> and then like you're looking through all you're looking through all the photos. And you go, I really want this unit, but can I like justify it just because it's a good unit? And then you're like you're looking for the photos, and it's like there's a quad maxim mounted on a sledge. I can like now justify taking the like gas quad if I wanted to, but I won't. I will take it to Chanka instead because I like to handicap myself. <laughs> so um, we, I guess we should let the view, the viewers, the listeners, should, I guess we should let the listeners at home know what Bolt Action is, Tom. And we talk about it all the time, but Bolt Action is a game um, from Warlord. Uh, World War Two, possibly Korea, if you've got the supplement for that, which is sort of smaller actions, about 30 guys, some weapons teams. And for me, it's probably my my primary go to when I'm thinking about playing a game. If you said, let's have a pickup game of anything at the club on a Wednesday night, I would probably go, right, let's play bolt action. Um, and for me, that's mostly because of the... Um, well, one, I like the history and I you know, enjoy it. It's an enjoyable game, but the, the dice, the unique dice mechanic that it has for, for unit activation. Yep, I am in complete agreement with that. It's by far, in a way, my favourite game. I think it's it's the one game I now play regularly, really. All the other games I play are sort of played periodically, but actually I'd be happy to play all the time. It's a game I really like. I think in the most part, it's pretty well balanced mm-hmm. i i don't think it has very many like really egregious rules i think it's a good hobby in project in that you can build if you have an idea for an army you can build it and even the like most weird esoterical things aren't going to cost you that much and it's not like i think probably like even if you built like the biggest horde army you possibly could you may be looking at a hundred figures. I mean, you can just say the Russians, Tom. <laughs> pistol armored partisans. If you're going to play Russians, yeah, yeah, pistol armored part, pistol armed partisans is also a particularly uh, large army, isn't it? Um, yeah, it's just I think it's just, it's a really fun game. I'd recommend anyone who's uh, got an interest in history. It's not um, the kind of game that really gets bogged down in the minutia of tables. You know, it's quite a quick flowing game. And even if you don't have a great grasp of history for World War Two, I mean, I didn't when I started. And, you know, I th- I've, I've actually because the way I do an army is I will choose an army and I'll go and then research it. So I actually. I'll learn the history, so I'm going to do Deutsche and Africa Corps and I'll go and learn about Rommel in the desert, which maybe I wouldn't have learned before. So for me, it's also there's a great learning opportunity there, but it's it's kind of. A little bit like Hollywood World War Two, you know, sort of like chain of command is very much it's like orders and moving units around and like um, in a realistic manner. I'm not sure that bolt action is the most um, exact simulation of World War Two combat that you can find out there, but it's really fun. It's a really fun game, fun game. So I would recommend anyone to give it a go. Yeah, I think I would uh, again complete agreement. It's very much like an infantry focused game, mm-hmm. like. For the vast majority of games, you're going to be playing with possibly one tank, maybe an armoured car. I like the, the core of your army is always going to be infantry. You know, infantry win the prizes. Yeah. They take the objectives. And it is 
it's a very quick free-flowing game it's one of those games where you've played it a couple of times you're no longer looking up the army book like when we play a game sort of down the club i very rarely even take my rule book or my army book out my bag i just don't need them you don't even need to really look at your army list because you know a rifleman is a rifleman no matter what nation you're playing all the weapons have you know a medium howitzer for the germans is the same as a medium howitzer for the british so once you get your head around the relatively simple number of weapons there is there is no locking things up you just know what you need to know so it can be an incredibly quick simple game where there is no flipping through or what does this do what's this special rule what's that special rule and for the most part there aren't very many units that sort of like throw out the rules and go well this ignores this rule or this does this um and there are no re-rolls which is a big big plus for me hate I don't, I don't mind re-rolls are they talking <laughs> you in your show last night when you were talking about luck i don't even mention this about luck but no one in a game of Blood Bowl that has rushed and gone for it and rolled a one and used a re-roll has ever rolled anything except another one. But that's talk for a different time. <laughs> um, I absolutely agree, Tom. You know, it's 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 a great game, and you know, it's um, some rule systems out there. You will um, go, okay. What's what's the new rule for the new unit? It's like I don't want to be finding out that you know the newest unit has the most awesome killing ability and ignores everything and moves through terrain there's no armor saves which some other games feel like they have to like just add more and more layers of rules to no i just want to know you know i want a historical unit that fights in a, in a good way um how do you find it steve i think you summed up perfectly when you said that it was the, it's the hollywood style um i've always compared it to um comic books so world war ii comic books it's that it's that all action um sort of constant constant firefights it's it's a very fluid game whereas like you say with chain of command is more of a tactical simulation than um than, than, than bolt action but i mean i've not played chain of command but i've got the rules and I'm, I'm i'm slowly building it in 15 mil um but it's one thing we're doing this year but bolt action it's just like i say for me for me it's an enjoyable game it's just fun to play and for me that that's the benchmark for any any tabletop war games is it fun yes let's let's play it like tom said it's my go it's, it's my go-to war game of choice at the moment bolt action play it you know when we can not not play it in a while obviously because of our current circumstances um but uh, when times were normal we did play quite a lot of it and it's like I, another thing tom said once you once you play three or four games the rules stick and again i think that, that that's the sign of a good war game where you you can really just take to it after a couple of games. You're not you're not consulting charts after chart mm. after chart or you know that, that this guy wants to move there, right? Let's go to page forty seven of the rule book. Oh, he's got to check this. He's got to check. There's none of that. Uh, and like Andy said, the the dice mechanic is so good. Yeah, that works really really well. Um, I just think it, it 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 keeps things simple. It keeps the game flowing. You you know exactly what you want your troops to do. Whether they do that is a is a, is a completely different yeah. uh, question. If you like me and you're going back to luck, as we were talking talking about last night, um, when you've got to pass morale test or order tests, I generally fail quite a lot. In fact, my my record um, was at a game I was playing against my mates, um, Imperial Japanese. I, I tend to take all veteran um, armies. So I had um, a veteran USMC force, and I had three three sections all on one pin. 
and I failed three order tests in a row. I rolled three 11s in a row. And I'm through a veterans, yeah, I'm guessing. And veterans. Always, always. <laughs> always. And I was like, this, this, this can't be happening. But I think it's just the fun of bolts, actually, and it represents... You know, troops not running forward, not just yeah. saying, you know what, I really don't fancy going down that road today. Um, I might get shot at. Yeah, there's that thing of the whole the morale, it, the way that the, when you get a, a pin on you, it it erodes the ability of the unit. It's not an all or nothing. You know, you get a minus to hit, and you have to roll to do orders. Exactly. And that and to the, gets to the point where they are just ineffective, and you have to take those pins off. But that's too. I don't go too deep into the rules. No, it's it's, a little chat, it's a, but yeah. It's a great mechanic in that you can you can win games by by killing re- or, or, or relatively few figures. Yeah. Because if you can pin a unit down for for you know four or five turns, they're, they're ineffectual. They're not going to move. The 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 your opponent's not going to be able to control them. They won't be doing what what he wants them to do. So no, it it, it is good that it's not just about wiping out units. It's more yeah. a tactical approach. That if you can add multiple pins to to units. You know you're going to have that advantage. Yeah, I just think it's, it's a bit more realistic to have a, a unit that's slowly degraded than just have it's all or nothing. Like, oh, nine of my friends have just died, but I don't mind. <laughs> you know, I'm completely <laughs> unfazed by this, and I'm going to walk forward shooting my gun. You know, I, I would actually even say it's like looking at it like if you're trying to win the game, it's a waste of time trying to kill units. You're much better putting like pins on two exactly, or three yeah. units than trying to wipe out. A unit yeah three pins on one unit is is not as good as one pin on three units exactly yeah i mean if, especially if you're Top going tips against... again all the tips here guys listen <laughs> more tips especially if you're going up against regular or, inex- or inexperienced troops i mean even two pins can ruin someone's day oh, that, yeah. that 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 they're, they're inexperienced troops with two pins you yeah there's, there's a good chance they're going nowhere for the rest yeah. of the game yeah so um if someone wanted to get into um into playing bolt action um if you've got no experience with it obviously you're gonna need the rule book you need dice yeah pick up that stuff but um when it comes to choosing a nation i think there are some obvious more more obvious choices than others um i looking at looking at the major powers wouldn't you agree tom i do i don't think there is necessarily i think of the major powers i don't think there is a bad one yeah. i think and i would say you can play almost any nation has you you can build like a horde or an elite army for almost any nation some of them do it better than others like russians do really good hordes but they also can do really good elite like scout armies um americans which i actually don't play very much but they are i think quite a good introductory army you know they, they yeah they're... i mean they were the second i started with partisans because obviously you know you start with a minor power you, you don't really understand the use that's how you start a game right <laughs> you don't go for the obvious ones but americans are actually a really good army to start with because they because the, the the basic rules they start with that you don't get that minus one to shooting when you move is so good and so helpful and easy to remember you know, because some you can get some um, abilities that are more situational, um, or you, you like, have to buy something to use. But anyway, slightly controversially, I actually think Germans are the best army. A lot of players think that they're rubbish. I actually, I think like I think Germans are, are brilliant personally, because for me, because they can take Panzerfaust, you don't have to worry about any other anti-tank in your army. So, so can Russians. 
so I can get more medium howitzers <laughs> in my army. Um, I think the, the Russian rules of the extra shot for machine guns, if you take machine guns, is never to be underestimated, yeah. Yeah. as is the <clears throat> NCO thing. You know, you kill the NCO in the squad, you roll a dice, you get the right number you need, another dude becomes your NCO. So, you know, you buy that weapon upgrade for your officer in the squad. You lose your officer, just one of your riflemen takes him over. So you, you can keep that, you know, assault rifle or submachine gun going and the it's slightly more situational but also the extra dice if you pull the dice if you use your commanding officer to mm. do the dice ball can work whereas like the british you get just a free artillery Are you observer. just skim over tiger fear tom <laughs> i know i am yes uh <laughs> used to be a really good rule it used to be a really good rule and i would say justifiable i think maybe like not on the panzer four even the kind of but i think the problem one of the big problems i think is with bolt action if you're being like what are the problems with it is the points for tanks especially like i feel like tiger fear was a bit of a trap for the germans because it encouraged you to take the big cats yeah it was like i'm not point efficient i don't know if you've have you played many games against germans steve no, I, I I play Germans. I've got. Yeah, you got. I, yeah, I've seen you. I know. I'm asking you. I know you have Germans. Do you have? Do you, have you played with Germans? I'm like, I know. But I've seen you paint them. It, it got a bit out of hand. It went from the the Falschmeger starter box to over ten thousand points now. So it just yeah, it just sort of got out of hand. Yeah, um, in the Wehrmacht, one for one. So <laughs> but no, you are right about the um, the points efficiency of of heavy. I mean, I think of. Um, off the top of my head, a veteran tiger is 666 points. Which yeah. I'm sure is just there for the gimmick of it being 666 six, six, six. points. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, but, whereas, like, I would say in most games, like two Panzer ones are going to be more effective than a King Tiger. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't tend to, when, when I, whenever I play my Germans, I don't tend to take much armour. Um, I'll I'll either take a, a Puma or a, a, a Stug 3 or something. Mm. But I... I set up my uh, my Germans when I'm playing bolt action, uh, like, like Tom said, very elite. Um, and I generally take a veteran Falschmjäger and I equip him with two LNGs. And, and I say, right, uh, try and remove me from this objective. Yeah. I dare you. <laughs> but they, they work really well in both offense and defense. If, you, if you've if you got two LNGs on a unit of, of late war Falschmjäger, you know, with, with, with stubborn, they can be used as a fire base to, for, to defend objectives. If you really want to go on the, the on the offensive with them, um, yeah, they can be pretty nasty. I would say chucking out the extra the extra dice for the LMGs. Yeah. Lots of DACA coming from those um, from those those, those units. Uh, but yeah, heavy armor. It's never it's never because I I see I, like you said bolt actions. It's infantry based. It's about the the, the 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 boots on the ground. It's taking objectives. It's firefights. I think sometimes uh, I know the irony of me doing a, 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 a tank destroyer base platoon at the moment sort of goes against <laughs> that. But um, that's more of a more from a modelling perspective. Um, but whenever we play bolt action, it, it's always infantry. Um, plus, I, I largely go up against Japanese tanks, which yeah, uh, well, <laughs> held together with gaffer tape and hope. Yeah. Good gaffer tape. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think I think Germans are a good. There's lots of um, you know, visual sources. There's lots of different theatres they they fight in. They're there from early, mid, late war. 
they're a good place to start. You know, they they're, so they're a good, really good starting army. Um, same with same with the US. We talked about they had that minus. They don't get the usual minus once they're shooting. Across infantry is really effective. Um, so I think that's another good place to start. And you, are, the, the British, are a bit more complicated, but I think they're good as well, aren't they, Tom? I think the British, I think, are probably like a really good second army because because you they they come with a free artillery observer, which is seventy five or a ninety point upgrade. Can't remember hundred percent how much they are, but it's just a, a flight a. a a blatant here's a free unit but the rest of their special rules are you pick one and they are all they are all things like if you for every three riflemen you get one extra shot mm-hmm. or for every three guys in attack you get an extra one uh vengeance you know if you're within 12 inches of an enemy remove a pin this sort of thing they're all like they're all individually they're really good but i think it's better to have an understanding of how you're going to use those rules when you build the army rather than because it's like nothing oh i'm going to use tough as boots but then have a load of lmgs in there or something it doesn't make yeah that much sense yeah. um just one other thing i would quickly say like a, a pro possibly about the germans is for the tanks and armored vehicles i would imagine probably the germans have got more options than every other nation combined oh yeah um, if you love collecting tanks <laughs> hate, hate the politics love the tax because uh, like something like for example like i really like assault guns it's no secret to the people who listen to the podcast i think medium howitzers are amazing in the game um like the british have got the priest and the bishop mm-hmm. and the 105 sherman and that's about uh, and the cromwell cs that's about your options for assault guns i think more or less Germans have got pretty much do you want a light medium or heavy howitzer in armor seven up to the Brumbar, which is like armor twelve, I think. So you know you can choose do you want to pay 150 points for this or do you want to pay 350? You just have so many more options. Yeah. Um whereas like that's always a good more options is always a good thing, isn't it? You know? Yeah, whereas like the Americans is like, do you like Shermans? <laughs> which which variety Hell of Sherman cap. would I've you? Got, I've got my Pershing. I'll have you know, I can get a heavy tank. I've got Pershing. Oh, it's, it's like you've got like the Stuarts and the Lees, and then you, yeah, variety. Do you like Sherman? Pretty much, if you're playing like mid to late war Americans, it's like which variety? You know, of Sherman when you look like? at a tank, and when you imagine a tank in your head, the tank I imagine in my head is a Sherman tank. Yeah, I, I agree with that hundred percent. I love I love a Sherman. I, I've got I've got like four Shermans. I don't need four Shermans. <laughs> because <laughs> <I've got, laughs> i love painting them and then you have the the minor nations are either really good or hard mode basically i think talking about nations like in my personal view like the most egregious crime that uh, like warlord have done in bolt action is the italians they're the only nation which have rules which actively make them bad like other other nations have rules which are not very good the italian rules are just actively hinder them and every book that they've brought out that kind of addresses it doesn't it's just makes them more so you don't want many units so here's some really expensive units so you can spend your points on them 
Um, and I think, again, like that war movie, like pulpy aspect that like some of the Japanese stuff falls in, like every Japanese selector, you know, you just the Japanese automatically have Banzai. It's like they, they suicidally charge at people, no matter if they're in like Shanghai in 1937 or in an island in 1945. Again, it's it's a bit what you expect from like TV movies rather than the truth. I think over time that some of the later books are, are sort of addressing it and being better. I think like the Empire in Flames books got better Japanese rules. Um, but yeah, the, the Italians being in pure hard mode are Yes, I wouldn't bad. start with Italians, I think. No, no. especially as like, the, the theme, <laughs> if you are, I mean, I would be happy to play Italians now because, you know, I would just like to paint and collect them. And um, I think, you know, I've, I've won enough tournaments to not care if I win or not. You know, I'm not trying to prove anything. I just want to have a fun game. And if, and a fun game can be you not winning the battle, but winning the game because you had a really fun time dying, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, like I, I, I've got, Two Italian armies, and they they are they are fun to play, but they you are like I I quite often use them as like my intro games when I'm playing new players because it's like right well here's my tankettes, yeah, shout at them and they'll fall over, <laughs> um, but they're the best armor I can take on the eastern front. Um, but yeah, if you were like a new player and you were looking at like oh what's available for bolt action at the minute, you'd see because various companies have brought out plastic Italians recently. Mm-hmm. Because we've been wanting to bridge the, oh, these plastic Italians, they must be really good. And like, something I actually really hate as Warlord put out an email the other day saying, like, oh, get the campaign soft underbelly book. It's got the best unit in the game in for the new Italian because you can take two flamethrowers in the unit. And I was like, don't start promoting books on having, they've got this really bent unit in there. Codex group. Yeah, it's just like no, we don't. We don't. I'm not saying they do it now, but we don't need it. So let's well, no, keep it out. no, no, no. It, it's just a really. I, I hope they get some flack for it because it's like two flamethrowers in a unit with tank hunter and everything. They're the best unit in the game. It's like we don't need that. We, you don't need to be promoting a book. I don't think on this is a great unit because most of the units in the game aren't like a veteran rifleman unit for any nation is the same as a veteran rifle unit. Yeah from any game which which is one of the great things about the rules and it's like how like yeah british you know if they've got one of their special rules that might be slightly different japanese are going to be fanatics so they're very different in a way but like how they function on the table is for me like one of the great things about it. they don't start slapping on a million special rules yeah talk about the, the, the imperial japanese army they're pretty tough as well they're, i think they're quite a good army to start with you're not going to get you're not going to fall in the trap of having uh, really big tanks, and they've got some some of the best national rules out there for their, for their troops as well. But yeah, sorry for I'm just talking all over you. We've <laughs> got a guest, and it's like listen to Tom chat. <laughs> We'd like to invite Steve in to listen to Tom personally. It's normally he has to wait for the podcast to come out, and but no, he gets early access. This is part of the Patreon. The Steve's obviously <laughs> paid for early access. No, you are. I mean, I my my regular gaming opponent has a, a sizable Japanese army, uh, and we we've had some right humdingers of games uh, between we because I've got quite a large um, American uh, Marine army. We, we tend to fight jungle jungle games, and 
there's nothing more terrifying than seeing him just put this horde of Japanese infantry. Uh, that the, I'm like, yeah, that's. And I look at my my uh, veteran, <laughs> my veteran Marines, and thinking, it's not many here, really, is there? Um, but uh, his his favorite units, the Grenadiers, the knee mortars, they oh, are yeah. an absolute pain to play against. Um, uh, the Banzai rule again, yeah, that's that's not very nice to be on the receiving end of. Um, but yeah, I've had some great games against the Japanese. The the armor, although we we had a random game, and it was just my it was Germans against Japanese, and it was new model syndrome. So I was I was I was using my Puma for the very first time, and it it trundled onto the table, and I think it was a Chiha um, took it out in one shot. I was like, this this shouldn't be happening. This 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 should not be happening. Um, but no, the Japanese are. Uh, um, when I was con- getting back into bolt action painting, I did consider the Japanese box set because I looked at it, I thought that could be really interesting. Um, I've seen my mate spend years putting his together, and he, he's researched so much of, of for, for his, his Japanese army, and he's got virtually every unit you can think of. It's just a huge, huge army. Um, in fact, he was quite annoyed because they. He spent ages um, sourcing bits to kit bash some Japanese um, paratroopers. Mm-hmm. And then Warlord brought out the box. And then... ah, ah. Well, that's what happens. If you spend ages, I, you know, <laughs> I just I um, got all the bits of a Blood of Bell Underworld Creepers team and just managed to put it together and paint it just in time for the new box set to come out. <laughs> so everyone out there is very welcome, you know. <laughs> that's like one of the great things about bolt action being like 28 mil World War Two that we've got, what, 50 years? 28 mil models to choose from and there oh, yeah. are there are so many like manning shed operations that make i'm going to make these you know weird paratroopers i'm going to make this one make of truck or something and you, you do have those real options it's not like if company a doesn't make it it doesn't exist you can choose what do i want and you can choose to go as far down those rabbit holes as you want to like you said see that you've got some like late war portion jaeger i built the uh may 1940s did the early war portion mm-hmm. jaeger which are like good for the low countries but like you can't really use them for creep because they get different leg gators and it's like or oh, really like using them for like mnml but it's like do i get then get the the ancillary packs to like then <laughs> m- move them forward nine like a year so i can use them again and it's like those wormholes are what you have because you just have such a range of models so go through it. and more and more stuff is coming out almost every month in plastic and yeah well, i was going to say that for me um i think if you if you've seen any of my videos or watched the podcast i'm quite averse to metal miniatures um and i, I try and avoid them where I can. Um, I know uh, there's always a noise, Dom, because I've got a I've got a bits box down there just full of metal crews. Because if, if I buy an army box or uh, I've got a mortar and medium machine gun team, the first thing I do is throw the crew away, and then I just I build plastic versions of them. Um, because I just I just like I like working with plastic. Um, you can I can I can I can kit bash it a lot more, I can convert it a lot more, it scales better with the rest of the army. Um, but yeah, Dom thinks I've got a screw loose because um, the first thing I do is go, well, there, there's some nice metal crew there off. Let's let's build some some plastic ones. Ah. But I I can spend days trying to get the 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 right pose or just the right look uh, when it comes to replacing crews on um 
on metal metal kits. I did the same way. I did the US Airborne. Um, every every crew, I'd say every every figure in that army was was kit bashed, including the, the the crews for the the heavy machine guns, the mortars, the uh, the anti tank guns. Everything was just replaced with with plastic. Uh, it took a while, um, but I think overall, for the, the the aesthetic I was going for, it really it really sort of um, linked into that. Um, I remember I spent. Again, Dom was quite incredulous about this. I, I just said I, I sent a message to the other three saying I've just spent forty-five minutes building a radio because I, want, I wanted a radio pack for my Ford Observer. So I spent forty-five minutes going through in my bits box, finding all bits of plastic to make this radio ah, kit. Ah. Um, but I, I think for me, that's the just going back to kit bashing. That's the beauty of kit bashing yeah. is that you can. I mean, you can, you can sit down, you can put an army box together, and you know, all well and good. I can't do that. I, I need to change it. I need to add my own bits and pieces. And I'm, I'm not a competitive gamer. I never have been. So first and foremost in my head is not how it's going to play, but how, how cool is it going to look once it's all painted? Um, I think from, from a kit bashing perspective, that's always the front of my mind. How is this? How is this unit going to look rather than how is this unit going to play? Um, and yeah, that's that's what's one thing I always when I sit down to do a um, a new army. That's that's always always front and center in my mind. I mean, I've never turned up to a game. I know or know of anyone who has who's turned to a game and gone. Those are the wrong boots on that Ford Observer. <laughs> They're from 1943, not from 1941. <laughs> that's it. Clear the models up. I'm off home. You know. Um, so I think you can go as if if you have got early war models and you're using them late war, you know, I don't think anyone's going to mind too much. And if you're playing against someone that does care that much, then maybe you need a new opponent. Uh, <laughs> but um, it kind of leads us into something else I want to discuss, which is that obviously there are different periods during those early, mid and late as well. And, um, you know, when you're building your army, you may want to consider exactly um, which time frame you're looking at, because obviously some Technology developed. There were Panzerfausts late war. They're not Panzerfausts in 1939. You know, it's a real consideration. You know, um, uh, if you're doing early war, or you Americans are going to be wearing business suits, <laughs> you know, <laughs> they're going to be at home. You know, um, what do you think, Tom? Yeah, there there are definitely like three periods. I think maybe more. I think mid-war you could maybe fudge and get rid of and just split it really more into early war and late war. However, I think because of how the game works, you could have a 100% historical 1939 army play and win a, you know, spring 1940 against a spring 1945 army. It doesn't necessarily work. Late war is always better than early war. It doesn't quite work like that. What it is, it's more late war you have a lot more toys basically in your squads things like veterans might be able to take two lmgs early war they can take one tanks are a lot bigger have a lot bigger guns like main gun are a lot more expensive but they have less machine guns like the weirdness of how the points with vehicles work by far and away the most point efficient vehicles or the weird experimental early war tanks, which have got loads of machine guns on, which didn't in reality work too very well because, you know, it was realized 
if you've got a five-man crew that can't really man five machine guns very well and still drive the tank and fire the main armament, but because you're trying to put pins on things, those loads of machine guns actually work really well within the rules of the game. But the big difference, I think, between early and late war is handheld anti-tank weapons. So Americans, you get the bazooka. Germans get the Panzerfausts in the squads and Panzerschrecks in the team weapons. Soviets get Panzerfausts in squads and they are, you know, potentially you're paying five points for a weapon that can potentially take out any tank in the game if you roll correctly and you get it from the right angle. So it means you don't have to worry about and you don't have to take think about how do I deal with armor because you have it in the squads. But then I generally play more early war armies and like my way of dealing with armor is hit it with an anti-tank rifle and then ignore it. You know, I can put points into trying to take it out and still fail. So if they've got a tiger or something like that, I will ignore it and just hide. Uh, different people like different things. If I was to say you're picking up a new army and you're having to go, go late war, um, and then go backwards if you want. So, you, like late war, you have all the toys. You're not necessarily risking handicapping yourself. And you know, a bazooka is much better than a peer. Um, but I, I don't think it matters too much. And I think it also depends how much you're going to like do you just want to play the game and play it as a game and go oh i'm playing british my depth of how much i know about british is playing a bridge to, watching a bridge too far or something like that or i'm going to play americans and i've watched panda brothers and that's all the research i'm going to do or are you going to spend years reading like german combat reports and things to then like build your eastern front armies and like work out oh i'm going to spend months and months researching this finding out all the photos and then i know well actually i can't use that machine gun because i didn't come into service until three weeks after this battle it's entirely up to you and i don't think there is a right or a wrong way to do it and i think you will meet people at events and tournaments which come from both camps and yeah. you, you can build like competitively you can build like a truly historical list which is absolutely vile and anti-fun to play against. Whereas you can build a completely ahistorical list, which is also really good and a lot of fun to play. Or you can just go, here's my Mexican Air Force. Historically correct. Probably didn't see like a great deal of service, you know, in Holland in 1944. But, you know, you, you can sort of do those things. And it, it's horses for courses, how deep you want to go down those holes. And I think as I would say, there's no right or wrong way. Would you agree with that, Steve? Yeah, it's all it's all down to personal preference. Uh, I would say. I mean, we we mostly play mid uh, to late. So our um, our Pacific based games are, are, are generally we use the mid war lists. Um, all my German, my, my my main German army is is all late war. I've got a a Stalingrad list. Um, I, I, it was like a, like a standalone Stalingrad project that I made. And I only got one early war list, which is my early war French. Um, but like, like like Tom said, though, I think there's there's a, a distinct style between between the periods. So I, in my in my mind, I always think early war 
when two early war forces go against each other, you're looking at more rifle-based firefights. There's the there's no heavy armor dominating the battlefield. There's no one running around with assault rifles. Um, there's no 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 Panzerfaust, no Panzerschrecks. It's very much a um, a, a rifle-based sort of game. Whereas you move through the period, the the armor gets heavier and more destructive. Um, the anti-tank becomes a lot more effective. Um, but I, there's, just, there's just something about late war that has always appealed to me. I think that's why the majority of my armies that I collect are, are 44 onwards, so sort of D-Day um, onwards. Um, it, it's just something, and like I said, it's about the research. I mean, if, if, if it appeals to you and you can you can put that research and that interest into the armies that you're, you're making, I think that it takes the hobby to a completely different degree. If you're playing with... Um, um, a regiment or a unit you know really existed. I think that I mean the, what the my abandoned project from last year was based on the uh, the Cameron Highlanders, um, and I still want to go back to that. But I spent a Saturday afternoon researching, and then I was plotting that against what I needed to buy, how I was going to arm them, and I think that was a really interesting part of it. Um, I mean, as I said before, I, I, I'm not too precious about how they actually perform on the battlefield or on the tabletop. If it looks good, I'm happy with that. Um, but other periods are good. I think it is important that you, you do get a, when you start playing bolt action, you, you start with a period that does appeal to you. Because um, I can imagine that if you if you were looking exactly. for, for a traditional, you know, you've, you've, um, you've, you've watched early war films and you've seen Blitzkrieg and then you, you pick up the Grenadier box and you're like, well, this, this isn't what I want. I want I wanted the the, the 1939 and 1940 you no know, uh, low country Poland blitzkrieg etc. So I think it is important that when you're getting into bolt action, you do check what what um what period you you want to play, what appeals to you because there's nothing nothing worse than, than sitting down to enjoy a game and you've, you've got it wrong or it doesn't really you're not really enjoying it. But I think the beauty of bolt action is once you once you've got that established. Like Tom said, you can you can go back or you can go forward, um, and and you, all, all the all the periods. Then you learn how to game each one, um, and you, you learn the history. So I think it, while the, the the different periods are important, um, it does bring that extra element to the game. Uh, I mean, I I haven't played much early war, and I'd love to. Uh, I've got I've got my early war French. Um, they were going to be up, up against my mate's Blitzkrieg army that he. He stopped in favour of his Japanese. Everything, all, all production was halted in favour of expanding his Japanese army. So they're currently sat on my shelf, never used. Uh, but what I want to do with them as well is expand them for chain of command as well. So that's uh, another thing that I, I want to do with those. But no, I'd love to play a lot more early war than I actually have. I mean, one really good thing about if you play with the Germans is all the early war, war tanks... As things start to go wrong for the Germans, they bring them all back again anyway. So, you know, you get to use all those Renaults they got from the French. You know, it's fine. Um, I like with, with most games, I think this is, and I'd recommend for any game you play, you do this. You talk to your opponent and what their expectations are. So if you're going to an event that's like, this is a historical event where we're looking at the D-Day landings, please bring a historical list. And you'll bring in, you know, Stalingrad Russians there's something's gone horribly wrong there <laughs> you know so what is the expectation from your opponent now we know we just do pickup games it's like just bring a thousand points and we'll just play but you know we could equally go there's a really good um, scenario in uh, like Germany strikes or, or one of the earlier you know 
campaign books and we want to do an early war battle, then, you know, have that conversation before before you start. And if you're starting an army, I completely agree. There's nothing worse than starting a, an army that you haven't got the mojo to paint and build and play with. Like, it's just paint what you want to paint and play what you want to play. That's just basic, you know, for games. So, um, yeah, definitely. Yeah, and, and sort of know what your play style is. And, like, I'm sure most people who play tabletop games know what their play style is. You know, are you somebody who likes to run a gun line and shoot everyone? Are you like somebody who likes to go and just run forward and poke them with a stick? You know, play what appeals to you. I've now made both of the other people on the call laugh. <laughs> I am drowned. Jazz hands. I wasn't. I wasn't sure exactly what. That was the second option. Have a seizure? Was have a seizure on the table? That's that's that's, that's the space wolves. We're going to. Well, we have an entire army with no more firepower than a bolt pistol. In it, because we're just going to punch you. Um, but also, like I would say, you don't have to be. You can. Like officially, the books now go as far forward as Korea, and they go back in time to like the mid 1930s with the Sino-Japanese War. Yeah. But bolt action, I think, is and like the army books are a good enough toolkit that you can build armies that tell. I, I, I uh, built a Abyssinian army because I, I wanted to play the. Hyal Selassie's Foreign Legion. But I used the Japanese rules because they made the most sense for what I wanted to do. So things that you can have, like the militia squads, where you have some armored dudes, some dudes with rifles. It sort of worked really well. And I, I took it to an event and did quite well with it. But that was just like a weird army. I did my research. Oh, they found and used this big black powder cannon. Okay, that'll be like an outdated field base you can sort of do the do your research find those things so it's not like oh i would and like the the guy who has like the mexican flying call like the mexican legion there isn't like a mexican army book there but you can do your research find out like what was the mexican doctrine like what gear did they have right this fits this army for how i want to play it with it so you can you know, almost like be as hipstery with what forces you're playing with mm -hmm. as you want to. And you could even go as far as to say, well, actually, the rules for this army are so bad or so ahistorical. I'm not playing them. I'm going to come up, use like a different rule, you know, things like the Polish home army, no SMGs. Um, you know, use like an actual an army list that lets you have SMGs, you know, to, yeah represent the factory that they had making them. Uh, they had lots of SMGs. They, <laughs> it's something that upsets me because I know that they, they, they actually manufactured their own um, Sten guns um, and then actually stamped them to make them look like they've been made by the British and dropped in to hide the fact they had factories making SMGs. They had lots of SMGs and the army list does not let you take lots of SMGs. Okay, ran over. Yeah. <laughs> That's called pandering to a co-host. <laughs> <laughs> thanks tom i love you too <laughs> so I was, just, I was just mentioning also um they, they could be entirely other conflicts but like they've not covered um the spanish civil war 
which you know is, is just right even the germans were, were fighting in the spanish civil war and, and you know that's not covered you can go and do an entirely different conflict i'm not suggesting that's where you start but that might be where you <laughs> find yourself where you might end up you know yep. i'm just warning you now <laughs> and talking about plastic models like especially since the release of the world war one war games atlantic stuff you're seeing a lot more world war one armies crop up because you know a 1917 1918 french army is remarkably similar looking to a 1939 1940 french army in fact that they are identically the same um pretty much same armor same uniforms more or less same helmets like whereas like people have for quite a while been doing like world war one british armies more as like a a project piece because you know that they they are quite different and you know the tanks are vastly different but you can still find rules you know represent a whippet more or less is all well, this is this armored car are you ha like you say to your opponent are you happy that i use this armored car profile for this giant tank which is made out of a bean can um so you, you can again you know go right back to that and as more and more plastic models come out for it and like warlord themselves make the world war one tanks so it's you no know, it, it doesn't take really any working out to sort of like back and forth if you say right your opponent's got some early war like late 1917 french i'm going to build some 1917 germans you can just play bolt action with no rule changes at all you don't even need to like home rule anything you just play it out the box and away you go same as like up to korea i think like post korea things get a little bit more difficult because you get rid of the bolt action rifle and you know if, if you've got bolt action rifles you can play it with bolt action didn't just realize that's a, an intentional pun then <laughs> that's you now if if the army's using bolt actions play it with bolt action should be a tagline that should, that, that should be a tagline there, right there. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, I know one thing we haven't really covered. I just want to mention, um, if you're starting, as I'm completely jumping off on a tangent here, like if you're starting an army, and you guys mentioned how you like to have veterans in your army list, right? And I normally play regular. So I'm used to when I go to a tournament or play a game, I'm looking for fives and sixes all the time. I get tired, I'm like, oh. Why can't I just have ordinary people to shoot at? <laughs> but if you're going to start playing, if you play as veteran, you need less models. Yes. Yes. And that they're probably, although I hate to admit it, they are probably, it's probably better to play as veterans than it is to play as regular, although you'll have less people. So I like having more people because I can claim more objectives. But they do die really easy <laughs> compared to, to veterans. I mean, one in three more die. If, if the odds are in your, in your favor um, if you're playing russians you'll probably have more people as well so if you are um starting a new army i would say that's a good place to a good thing to consider as well as if you are going to have a regular veteran if you get some veterans you, you need significantly less models yeah well one thing i always say to people is quite a few people that have left comments on the channel asking me about getting into bolt action i've always said the best way to do it is to start off small 
So whether it's from, from a painting or modeling perspective or a game perspective, I always say paint 500 points and you and your opponent play a 500 point game. This will get you into the mechanics, the rules, and you'll be flying. Then add another 500 points. You've got a thousand points, expand your game, bigger game. You're familiar with the rules. Your games are going to be a lot more um, entertaining and, and fun. You've got a, a bigger mix of units and then paint another increment of 500 points. And next thing you know, you've got a massive bolt action army that you can tailor for smaller games or bigger games. I think trying to go in and paint 2,000 points of bolt action when you're a beginner is probably not the way to go. Um, I think you're going to you're gonna struggle to get them, unless you're a, a massively fast speed painter like Dom, who can paint 4 million, ah, four, ah, four million ah, points ah. a week. Um, yeah. I think it's, it's it, it could be quite, quite demotivational if you're, you're slogging through these, these these troops just to get them on the table. 500 points is a comfortable amount to, to, to paint and to get onto the table. And then once you've played you know, three or four games, you've, you've got the mechanics nailed down, you're familiar with how you want your list to play, or uh, I, I, Tom said your game in style, mm-hmm. um, add another 500, go go to your army your army book, work out what, what support options you've got, paint them up. Um, I think from that point, that's when you work out your own gaming style with Bolt Action. Yeah. Are you are you a, a super offensive player? Do you are you a reactive player, or, or, or you, do you play on on the on the defense? Um, and from from a, a painting perspective, which for me is always you know, painted troops always play better. Um, yes. <laughs> you, you 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 get your painting style, you you get the uniforms, you you do your research, you, you know, yeah, and you, you, your whole painting um, your whole painting style. So I think I, I, that's one thing I've always recommended to people is when you are starting, start off small, learn the game, um, learn your army, get get get, get your, your troops painted. You can combine it with, um, I think I, I had a back and forth with a guy on, on my channel, even comments, and he said him and his mate were, they were coming over from 40k. And I get, I get that quite a lot. People saying yeah. that they've, they've, they've grown a bit, not, not, not bored or, or stagnant with it. So they're trying something historical. But the, it, it's sort of radically different, the setup and the, the, the collecting side of things. So I just said to him, well, go out and buy an infantry box and a, 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 a medium machine gun and a mortar. And you can have a perfectly good game of bolt action oh, yeah. on a, a four by four table with just those. And I said, from there, what you do is you learn the game. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, like, like Andy said before, it's not a difficult game to learn. It's 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 really not. It's there's there's kind of six or seven core mechanics through the entire game, but they are, and they stick to your brain as well, that you, mm-hmm. you're not, you're not going through book after book after book constantly. Um, and there's one thing I have found is the rules do stick, um, which is always, always good, but yeah, start small 500 points um, or thereabouts a box and a couple of support options. And you're, you're good. Another good option as well is to start with firefight. The, the, the skirmish rules, um, I ran um, some participation games of Firefight last year at CrackCon, and a couple of people are now into bolt action because of it, because it's it's a lower scale. You play with six or seven figures, but the 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 core mechanics are the same. Everyone gets an order dice. The the shooting is the same. The um, the morale order tests all the same, but small scale and played on a, 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 a three by three table. And from that, you can learn the rules and think, yeah, I want to expand this. In fact, one guy we played. Um, He's now building a, a six by four bolt action modular table, which <laughs> he's completely run with it. Um, but that is a good option. And the good thing about Firefight is the um, if you've got the core book, the rules for, uh, for Firefight are free on the Warlord site. So it's downloadable PDF. 
um and you can you can start off with six or seven figures it's just a it's it's a a great way of easing into bolt action if you think yeah i like the way this plays go out and buy an army box or a, an infantry box a, a couple of points i think are like really important to make especially to like people who are coming in from something like 40k with bolt action is like your infantry like that 500 points of infantry that you paint up first off are always going to be the core of your army no matter yes. what, what many point it's not like i'm painting off these troops but as soon as they get to like higher points these have to go on the shelf because i then start running it I, I get better troops you don't those troops are always yeah like once yeah. you painted an officer and his mate like a machine gun a mortar or whatever you're going to use them all they're the one they're they are the core of what yes. you're always using and also like your armies don't end up massive like i don't know what size games you normally play, but i nearly all of my armies are a thousand points like obviously i've got far more points than that yes germans and stuff but they are all like this is a thousand points of x y or z it's not like yeah. you're playing three thousand points of this or two thousand points of that I, I think there are if you're playing bigger games like that there are possibly better games than bolt action for playing. No, I don't think I'd want to play like 5,000 points of bolt action. No, we mentioned this the other week on the podcast. We were talking about game size. And I said, for me, the sweet spot for bolt action is 1,000 points. It's manageable. It makes you think tactically as well, because you, you, you can't just pile all your units and you've got to think about what, what you're going to leave in and what you're going to take. Yeah. Um, we played a couple of years back, we played um, a 3,000 point game with everything we've got so i played all my marines my mate played all the japanese and it was an absolute slog because there was about 40 dice in the bag and every turn it was just getting i think we we we, we finished it but it was like a it was like a marathon and i just said to him Let, let's not ever do that ever again that was that was lamentable it was a it was a it was a nice experiment but can we please stick to a thousand points moving forward um I think that works. A, a, a thousand points is, it, for me is the sweet spot. It, it always makes for a really good game. I mean, for me, I use always use a metric of a KR case. So half a KR case of infantry will cover you, and then you will have however many other tanks you want to paint, which in my case is loads, <laughs> <laughs> just loads and loads of other tanks. Because I will always take a tank in my army because I like taking tanks, even though they're not necessarily any good in that game. Uh, but I love a tank in my <laughs> army. I always take a tank because I love tanks. But you could like a half KR case of infantry will see you. And if you're just starting to buy the forces, I learnt the hard way. I was starting an army. I was like, well, I'll buy three MMGs. Oh, it turns out I can only take one. Yes. In my army. <laughs> Anyone want to buy an MMG off me? Because <laughs> I came from like 40 guys. Like, well, there must be loads, like four per unit in this. No. No, 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 no. Check your army list, kids, before you buy things. <laughs> yeah. I think, like, buying things, I think, like, the, the army boxes or, like, the, like the warlord equivalent of, like, the start collecting ones or that. So if, you, if you're coming in, especially from, like, 40k or that sort of stuff, I think it, it, it's worth mentioning that actually what you get in most of them is actually a good army. Yes. It's, it's, it's like, most of, like, the worst thing that you get in most of them is a medium machine gun which is of, it's like a quintessential unit, but it's of questionable, <laughs> like, worth how the rules work. And the Panzer Grenadier one that comes with three Hanamags, like, 
the half tracks in the game are not very good. Um, but if you've seen any movie, you probably think I want some Hannah Mags and, and playing them. So they're the two that are not brilliant for for various reasons, but then they're still great value. And like most of them, like you pick up an army for 50 quid and it's actually that is an army that isn't like this is 25 percent of what you need to play it's like no this is you can play with it and in fact i think most of them actually are pointed out to nearly a thousand points yes what you get in the box so you go right i might drop that pier and the medium machine gun and put in a tetrarch or something like that but they actually give you enough to play and it isn't chaff that they've got sitting around in stock that nobody buys or units that you're never going to use it is usable it's the stuff that's going to form the core of your army because no matter how much you tinker with your armies the core of them you know like all my armies are always you have to have an officer you have to have two infantry squads i always run at least four infantry squads i like to max out my infantry squads yeah yeah then you've got like games a mortar you might have a sniper you might not have a sniper might have an a, a artillery piece whatever but those four infantry squads your lieutenant and his buddy you're always going to have like every single army you build is going to be them if you're playing 500 points you'll have two squads maybe if you're playing 1250 you'll have four maybe five squads so they, they are never not going to be used yeah. and it, it's what makes it really for me potentially such a cheap game mm-hmm. like i've built a u.s marine army with tanks for it was less than 30 pounds and, and I, like that was an yeah, event i built that german army i built one that had a, a hetzo and just infantry it was 19 pound 50 it cost me <laughs> yeah and i was like an army i'm not saying that, it was a good army i'm saying i built a cheap <laughs> army it was like an army that i i was happy i was going to take it before the pandemic to a tournament to go you can like go and compete at a tournament for an army for 30 quid and there are not very many war games like big skirmish style war games where you can do that where it's not abstract where it's like well this phalanx is three dudes you can do those cheap but i, I do that like because i think bolt action is a big enough scale game where you do have that like visual impact on the table mm-hmm. it, it isn't like like this rifle squad is represented it looks like a squad of dudes it doesn't look like I, I should I should warn the listeners though if you paint both your sides in camo, and you set up on a board, <laughs> people will walk up and go, "Where are your armies?" We had Gary the other day has walked up like, "Where are your armies?" And like, "Oh, oh, I couldn't actually <laughs> see them. They're there on the table. We know they were there." I mean, it's it's just and I, I, it's a slightly unfair comparison to do, but if we compare, you know, to the the gorilla in the room, the the, the big boy at, at GW, they've just released is it Eldritch Omens. It's £125 for 16 models. We're not, I mean, that's so expensive that I don't really feel like it's a fair comparison to say that I can get, you know, for what, 27, 28 quid, is it 30 models or something along those lines? Yeah. I think you're getting a, you know. I would imagine of the three of us here, if we all like wish listed, like we wanted to start a new bolt action army, we've done our research, whatever we want, mm-hmm. and we're given like carte blanche to buy the models, I bet most of the armies we came up with wouldn't be much more than about 100 quid no when, when you, yeah. you you put your tank whatever tanks toys 
posh models and all that sort of stuff in. Like unless you go into something crazy, it's like I want that T35 or you know a weird thing. If you just want generic relative stuff, almost yeah, it's such a thing. But I think when you mentioned just there, Andy, about the the painting and like camo and stuff, maybe that's a, a good segue to something that we want to talk about. And yeah. Steve, you know, you're very well known for your bolt action painting. Yeah. I, I think especially like when people are coming from 40K or fantasy or whatever, one of the, I think one of the hard things that people have to get the head around is you do not want your models to pop. You know, you want you know, camo, you want them to be quite muted. Then it's like, yes. Enjoy painting green and brown. <laughs> this, is, this is, you know, it's like. I am more, own more green and brown paints than any other colour. It's Shades brilliant moving. Yeah, it's it's like it's brilliant moving on to like painting bolt action from English Civil War because it's like you get to add the brown, the greens to the brown palette. So it's like we're now not just doing browns, oranges, we're now adding greens. But uh, like you you see stuff paint like some of your stuff looks absolutely amazing, and you see people paint up absolutely gorgeous camo patterns, and I I would personally like stick the flag in that i think some especially like the late war camo patterns on like both infantry and vehicles are probably some of the more complicated painting mm-hmm. you can do but saying that like i am not a good painter i'm very cack-handed but i can paint p dot camo that looks acceptable with a cocktail stick and little blocks. yes <laughs> it's i mean that's yeah. why i paint americans they're green <laughs> all the same color green all over vehicles spades you name it helmet it's all the same color they got the same kind of paint they paint everything but um like what are your are your thoughts on that sort of thing i know there's like the the, the two broadest things like do you paint 100 historical or do you sort of do an approximation but also like do you, do you have any other thoughts on sort of painting for me or two it's the biggest one i would say is the three foot rule if it looks good from three feet away, you're golden. Um, and any closer than that, you're too close and you might get a slap. Because um, you see, you'll see all my errors and my mistakes and, uh, <laughs> when you get to less than three feet. Um, but no, I mean, I've always had the, the same, um, apart from the one that I'm working on now, which I'm, I'm experimenting with a completely different painting style. I've always gone for the under understated, the drab, the muted. Um, and it's it's... It's the look of the unit rather than the individual figure. I mean, if you're running at a section of 10 men, if if you've got a section of 10 men um, and they're painted well, or they're painted you know, average, average, that they're going to look better than one really, really well-painted one and then nine really subpar ones. That's going to stand out. For me, it's the overall look of the unit. Now, I... Well, I guess I keep going back to the one I'm painting now, which is it's a bit of an anomaly because I'm, I'm taking my time over it. My normal painting thing is I block paint, and then I utterly, utterly drown the figure in Agrax Earthshade. Just completely get 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 the uh, the uh, the fire extinguisher out and just blast it completely. And then <laughs> and then for highlights, one highlight. That's all I do. Mm-hmm. Just very very basic highlights. That allows me to complete. So I, I batch paint in fives. So with 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 most bolt action nations. That's a night, maybe two nights work. So a section a week. But I'm not too I'm not too concerned about the level of detail. I mean historical, yes, I where I can. I aim to do them historically. I mean I'm not gonna paint 
I'm not going to paint Fauci Mega like Mr. Blobby or something like that. I mean, that's just you know <laughs> going a bit a bit uh, a bit out there. But I will try and stay as far as I can. But I, I do have a bit of creative license when when I I I, um, I paint anything ball action related. Uh, if it looks good and I like it, that's the main thing. Um, you, I know you've got you've, you've got the super hardcore. Yeah, the button counters, the you know, those gators weren't used in nineteen forty one. How very that, dare you. Yes. How very dare you have the wrong colour gators. <laughs> so get out. <laughs> I mean luckily that, that element of the hobby is very I've not really come across it a lot, yeah. but I know that people do. Um but if people are new to bolt action, I would say, yeah, research. Research because that's what one fun part of it is the research you learn the uniforms you you, you learn the colors mm-hmm. um and then you you work out what paints you've got and and how to, how to paint them i always go for a limited palette as well i'd rather use you know four or five paints than 14 or 15 paints yeah. i think it's easier to paint it looks better they look more cohesive um and you're going to get more more you're going to get more figures to the table quickly doing it that way uh, and you can still you can still knock them out to uh, what what you think is a, a a good level of uh, of accuracy or, or or good standard? Um, what I would say is it is never get never get hung up on your painting, never beat yourself up over it. Um, the fact that you're putting paint on a figure, you're winning. Yeah, <laughs> as, as far as I'm concerned, if you you put paint on a figure, you are light years ahead of a lot of people in the hobby who play with grey plastic or, or primed figures and. Because they've got no interest in the painting side, they just want to play a tabletop war game. Um, so if you if you've opened your paint and you've put some paint on a miniature, absolutely you're you're okay with me. You're uh, you you're, you're winning in the hobby as far as I'm concerned. That's that's the biggest step, isn't it? Is getting that paint on that model, that first model you paint, will in all likelihood be the worst model you paint. Oh, absolutely. That's fine because that starts that journey to next one slightly better, the next one slightly better, and then in five years time. I look back at stuff that I thought was great five years ago, and I'm like, you know, I've come, I've come, I'm a little bit better, <laughs> a little bit better, a little bit better than I was, you know. So absolutely, I'm 100% with you there, Steve. Just get painting. No, I mean, I've, I've, I've been looking at some of the stuff that I put on the channel sort of two, three years ago, and I've got um, a shelf of some of my stuff on. I was looking at it the other day, and even just in two and a half years, the progression I've made. I mean, I've been painting for over 30 years. And it's, I would say the past sort of five years has seen my painting really kick on. Um, and I think it's because of the community. Uh, I watch people's videos. I see people's painting on Facebook. Uh, I harass people. Uh, <laughs> how did you paint that? What did you use? What paints? What, what technique? And it's all about learning. And I, I was looking at the, the, US, uh, the, the US infantry I've been painting recently in comparison to stuff that i painted two years ago and for me it's like two different people yeah. but i think that's the beauty of it is that you can always progress you don't have to reach sort of a plateau um you can always push yourself you can always you know, develop new techniques um i'm moving away from drowning figures in, in agrax earthshade now i'm using agrax and Athonian more as an additional paint than as a, as a wash I thought you were going to say you started to use nano oil instead of something. <laughs> I'm not using Agrax anymore. No. Yeah, that actually. Um, <laughs> I, I bought my first pot of nano oil in five years the other week. I've just not. I've just never used. I've, I've, I used to use it a lot. Um, then the I went to Agrax. Yes. Like, there's, 
the shiny nylon oil on metals is great, but I don't really use it for anything else. No, I think Agrax, I mean, there's a reason they call it liquid talent, and it's because it's because it is. Um, I think when I when I paint my turnip stuff, mm-hmm. I block I block paint them, and they look absolutely diabolical because they just got all these just flat greens and browns and yeah. pallid flesh. But out comes the size note wedge brush and a pot of Agrax. Leave them for two hours, come back, and you're like, yeah, I'm a genius. Oh, I was yes. never in doubt. <laughs> um, but I think, again, I think it's just all about finding your own painting style. And yeah. on, on the podcast, we talk about this quite a lot, in that between all four of us, we've all got different approaches to painting and modelling. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, again, it's a bonus. You can learn from people. You learn basing techniques. You learn highlights. You just learn batch painting i mean the way the way dom paints figures i mean he gets through i've never i've never known anyone as productive uh, uh, as dom he just he just flies through them yeah. uh, and he'd be like last night i painted this this battalion this this, uh, this battalion of napoleonics i was like it took me three years to paint my my first battalion of napoleonics and I've, i'm not i'm not going back it it warped me i didn't like it so um but no i think again that's the beauty of the community from a, from a painting and modeling perspective which for me is is central to the hobby i i love painting i absolutely love painting i love modeling and i love kit bashing i would say one i, I agree with everything you said there which is good <laughs> <laughs> but i also would say there's nothing beats actually just doing it like you can watch all the videos oh yeah you can listen to everyone watch everything and um because you want to just do frequent, um, just regularly, just do because it builds up muscle memory. Yes. Like you just know how to handle the brush and put the paint in the right place, and and you just need to build. After five years, you'll be like, just you know, even not well after probably a month, you'd be like even better, you know, straight away. I know people say practice. People that say you know you do you um an hour a night every night, yeah, an hour a night, so seven seven hours a week. You can get an awful lot done in those seven hours, and like I say, it's 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 building up your skills, building up your confidence. Um, I mean, what one of the the most terrifying things? I mean, you can spend hours building a model, and you open your paint, and that's a terrifying step is to is to put paint on a model. Um, oh, yeah, especially one you spend hours putting together. But often I'll I'll like spend just a- a- angling the arms, getting the head turned, and I look, I look at the man painting. I'll be like, wow, that's great. I wish I had someone else to paint this for me that would make it look good, because <laughs> this looks so great before I've actually put the paint on the model. Uh, something I found really useful, especially when like I started painting, like World War Two, well historical stuff in general, which was I think probably about 2016-17, was just looking online and like finding. But like the absolute abundance of resources that break down how you do this. Like, right, this is how you paint camo, right? You start off with, right, base coat it in this color. Then next do a little amoebas in this paint. Mm-hmm. When they're dry, do slightly smaller amoebas in this color. And like things are like, I remember I just used to have printouts I'd put on my painting table and I'd be sat there with just like a little dot of the paint of, right, these are the steps I go through. And just, I found it, it's what got me really into batch painting. It's like, right, I'm doing little brown blobs. Right, I'll do brown blobs on 12 dudes. By the time they're dry, I can go back and do the orange blobs on the middle of them. And just, I, I found like, and there are so many resources out there. Like you have, like if, if you don't know anything about like a Fortune 8 uniform, like you know, how many people walking in the street do, 
you Google how to paint Lake Wolf Oceanmaker, you will get multiple resources there. And you can also buy a whole range of different paint companies, paint sets that give you all the paints that you need to. So like yeah, the, the resources are there. You just, just make sure you're looking and, and asking, I guess. Yeah, and don't don't be afraid to ask. You see somebody who's got really nice, a really nice camera pattern, and you go, how did you do that? Just ask them, because most people are really happy to show off and say, this is oh, how yeah. I did it. No, no, I'm, I'm always happy to help. I am get quite a few messages through Instagram. So I post on there quite a lot. And it's, it's people just saying, you know, how, how did you do that? What paint? And I, I, I can talk for hours about painting. Um, I mean, if anyone's got any questions, you know, feel free to contact me. I'll, I'll be happy to answer any question. Even if I don't know the answer, I'll just talk about it. Um, it's just one of those things that I, I love explaining what I've done or what technique I've used. I'm, I'm the same. I ask people all the time, how, how did you do this? What 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 brand paint was used for that? Um, and I think it's it's just all about sharing. There's, there's nothing worse than hiding your secrets away. I mean, there's nothing to be gained from that. It's I don't know. It's I can't I can't, I can't imagine many people would be hesitant or unwilling to tell an, another gamer, another hobbyist, what paints they used or, or what what technique yeah. they used. Um, and if they were, I'd be like, yeah, well, I, I don't want to speak to you ever again. You're, you're a bit strange. Yeah, man. One of the good things is most of the figures out there, most of the periods, you know, you don't have to necessarily paint camo on your models. So if you want to do Americans, you can do Americans without camo. If you do Germans, you can do Germans without camo. But if you really want to try your hand at something a bit more exciting than a model, then you can certainly turn your hand to trying out a few of the more interesting camo schemes. Have a look online, you know, if you want to do... Um, some P dots or some uh, autumnal oak leaf, which is my my favourite camo, by the way. Um, then, then then give it a go. Um, now, in the wild world of gaming, if you go to different events, what kind of things can you expect to find there, Tom? I think you've you've got in the general the bolt action community is a really great community. Now, I've been to loads of events, both quite competitive ones and the more historical themed ones. And in general, they are a lot of fun. You have people who are quite often like really engaged with the history. They will show you their armies. They want to tell you a story about them. But also, you just have a lot of people who are there for fun. And, and I think I've been to a couple of events which were not quite so fun. And uh, I think specifically like a couple of GTs. But I think they are GTs. So, you know, if, if you're maybe not as interested in you know that like hard edge competitive thing where everyone's going there to win maybe avoid the gts go to the more historical things where you can have a lot of fun you went to the d-day event that was a really a themed event like a themed sort of almost campaign day wasn't it yep that was a yep that was run by warlord i actually managed to win that with some luftwaffe field division so you know winning a event with inexperienced squads was quite cool proves that you know medium howitzers win prizes <laughs> <laughs> oh look my squad is gone go? <laughs> but no but yeah you have there are like themed events again elephant in the room because of covid there's not been very many events on at all for the last couple of years but you know people right we're putting on like a a Sicily event 
bring armies that are like based in Sicily or we're doing Crete or or this sort of, you know, I think there was a a winter war one. I was seeing somebody put on somewhere in northern Europe, I think, last year. So, you know, if, if you're thinking that's something I want to look at or maybe play, give it a go. But also like have a have a conversation with your friends. And I know especially like in the UK, you go to events all over the country, you'll quite quickly realise that half a dozen you know probably half of the people there travel from all over the place to events so you know if you think i would really like to put on a winter war event i would imagine you'd probably be able to sell 12 20 tickets for a winter war event because we've got great i've got this winter war event i've got this winter war army here's an excuse to break out and do it i think you know if you want to do it you've got an idea for an event chat with people do it and also just keep an eye out for what you're doing Another great event is probably going to be CrackCon too. Oh yes, <laughs> plugging that away. <laughs> I don't think there's going to be much bolt action. I think last year um, I, I did firefight, and we had um, chain of command and battle group from for, from a World War Two perspective. Um, but they, they, this year I'm running Turnip Twenty Eight. That's my that's my participation game. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. I've never, I've never played. I don't think many people have played it. So it's going to be a completely different thing altogether. Is there going to be a mashup, bolt turnip? Bolt turnip. <laughs> people keep asking me. I, I get, I get people saying, have you, have you, have you thought of doing this? Or have you thought of doing that? Um, bolt turnip could definitely be on the horizon. Um, anything's possible. I'm not going to say. I'm not going <laughs> to say <hey>. no. <laughs> Anything, anything's possible. So uh, quickly, I think uh, just to wrap up. We've, we've managed to meander our way through a lot of bot action chat here, but um, just to sum up, if I was to give you um, both like a hundred pounds and say go and start a bot action army, a cheap you know starter army, what do you think you would go and get tomorrow if you were given you know fifty to a hundred pounds? What would you start with? I'm assuming you got all the dice and the books and measuring tapes and stickers and everything you need. You don't need stickers. I don't know why it's a sticker. <laughs> <laughs> so they got back. You ought to get some panini stickers in there. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think. Probably, I know really good value ones are the smaller boxes. So the, yeah. the US Airborne and mm-hmm. the British Airborne. Yeah. Because uh, you get a really hard-hitting, viable army. And from that, you just you, all you need to add is, you know, a couple of light tanks, some transports yeah. if you want to. Uh, I've, I've worked on both of those boxes in the past year and they're really really great value i used the british airborne one to um to build polish airborne um in, in homage to gene hackman in a bridge too far because nice. <laughs> i really have always wanted to do that oh, you stole my answer steve that was going to be my answer I, I picked up the um the airborne one at christmas and i would say that's that's incredible value i managed to get it from uh, not a sponsor dyson dex i think it was for 37 pounds which isn't that much more than just buying a box of of Paris. Yeah, I mean, they, they are, both boxes are a great value. Um, yeah. I mean, to saying that, for what you get, I mean, I was shocked by the um, the starter uh, box for the uh, the Deutsche Afrika Corps. You get so yeah. much in that. Yeah, I was yeah, absolutely. I think that might be me next on my list because <laughs> I've not painted desert for a while. But when I saw what you're getting, I was like. All that infantry, you get an 88, you get um, uh, a Panzer. There's just so much yeah. cool stuff in there. Yeah. For relatively, when you compare it to other game systems, 
for what you, you you would pay for that, you've got an army that you could put on the table. Yeah, eighty-four pounds, I think it was. And again, like with anything, if you look online, I'm sure you can find it it cheaper from yes. the third-party sales. No, but I, I haven't. I, I don't think we have the time to trawl the entire internet for everyone. You can go <laughs> and do it yourself. It's also a super thematic army as well, isn't it? Mm. It's it's not like here's a couple of cheap bits in there to bulk out. It's a super thematic army. I think if I would probably go for the new Commonwealth Commandos. Yeah. Because I think if, if you're doing yes. something on a budget, commandos don't need really any vehicles or anything. If you're on a super tight budget, you don't need any vehicles or anything to make them work. And or if you do, you could and you were on like trying to make as cheap as possible, you can get cheap vehicles like Jeeps and Brens and stuff online, yeah. or like 3D prints and stuff for yeah. a few pounds each. So I think that is a great army. It's very cheap. And I know that one box of commandos gives you more infantry than you're ever going to need yeah. for your commando force. There's also enough bits in the box to make all your team weapons. Yeah. Like you don't you don't get a medium machine gun, but you could. I don't think anybody would like object if you put like one of the Brens and like you, you made one of the light machine guns into looking like a machine gun i think like it's another team. good point you've you've mentioned there is that some of the armies you could you know some of the options sorry um like sniper officers um observers like you know artillery observers you just need a model for those you know and so was it 90 odd points for an artillery observer well that's a big chunk of your army points you can you um, there might be more efficient choices but you know if you're just trying to get a force on the table for a thousand points if you can have to have one rifleman is now a sniper model, that's that's covered that option quite cheaply. You know, yeah. you haven't got to go and spend fifteen quid to buy a sniper. No, it's uh, and like it, it can quite often be a lot cheaper to buy like a two pound weapon sprue that gives you maybe like a pier or a bazooka or like a flamethrower or something than buying the metal teens themselves. If you are trying to do things either on a budget or you go, I don't need. I need 21 models and this box of plastic came with 32. I've got 10 spare bodies. Why buy teams for the things? Let's use them. And quite often, like a, a lot of people don't like either to use like the kneeling or the prone models. Mm -hmm. They think it, it looks a bit weird. Um, like I tend to use them, but I'll have like a whole squad of people who are kneeling or prone. So it looks more like this sort of like, crawling through the mud or whatever but like it's a great way of using those for things like artillery crew officers observers spotters yeah, yeah. all those kinds of dudes and depending on how super historical you're being like you can mix them you know if you've got a dude in a great coat he can pretty much fit in most armies as a dude in a great coat in the winter have you ever experienced that, Steve, using a guy in a great coat from a different army? <laughs> um, once, once or twice. I actually, um, it's funny to mention that because when, when I did mine, I was a bit lazy and I, I left the German ammunition pouches on. Mm -hmm. Again, three foot rule. No one's going to know. It's just if they do, you know, I don't care. But um, I've got a fa I, I run a Facebook group for the for the channel. And this guy, he, he, he said he was quite inspired by the winter airborne that I've made, uh, but he wanted to remove the ammo pouches. But he didn't know how to go about doing it. So I said, look, bear with me. Give me give me 24 hours. I'll go away 
and try it and come back and show you what I've done. Because um, I didn't want him hacking his models to pieces. Um, and it was actually quite easy. Um, so I just got a craft knife, removed all the German ammunition pouches, and then uh, bought them out with um, US pouches. It was, it was a lot easier than I thought it was going to be. But again, that's something very, very simple you can do. Um, and I'm, I'm all for, I mentioned it earlier, but I'm all for unique looking armies. If you can, if you can have an army that no one else has got, they shoot better. Oh, so that's what I think anyway. Yeah, um, uh, one thing I, one, one starter army I'd steer clear of is there's the, the SS, which has two tanks and one of those is a Tiger. When you're starting playing, you, you don't need two tanks in your army. So you, and you probably don't need a Tiger in any army, to be honest, it's so expensive. <laughs> Unless you love them. I mean, I have a, I have a tiger because I love tigers. You know, it's fun to paint. I've got a king tiger because it was fun to paint. It's up to you. Well, thank you very much for joining us, Stacey. We're coming up for two hours of chat. Uh, do you have anything else that you'd like to mention, promote or plug? You know, your, where can people find more of you? Know, we've talked about your channel and crack on and everything that's coming up and yeah if you, if you want, want to check out the, the channel on point hq it's it's more of i don't know um what one aim i had of the channel it, it was never going to be i was never going to be chasing the algorithm or i wasn't going to be after you know views it was just something for me to keep motivated and hopefully that comes across in my videos that i just i'm doing it for the, the pure joy of of, of the hobby um, but if you are free on a Monday night and you want to uh, check out the Plastic Crack podcast at eight o'clock, uh, we alternate on to um, each week we have a different host. So it is hosted on a different channel every week. So um, keep a lookout for that, either on my channel or Dom's. So we've got Boots on the Table, we've got Seventh Sun and we've got Miniature Wargaming Warriors. So we, uh, we share the hosting duties um every four weeks uh where you get no painting done when you're hosting so that's, <laughs> uh, that's, but it's always good to see people um taking time out their their, their week to, to spend some time with us have a bit of a chat um and me trying to explain to them what turn at 28 is and why i'm chopping that's up good. napoleonic figures um but yeah that that's i just want to say yeah thanks for inviting me on it's been um it's been it's been really good i really really enjoyed myself it's fantastic to have a i mean it's 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 unusual for me because I'm I'm normally watching you on the TV, so it's weird that you're talking back to me. I mean, I talk to you normally when you're on TV, but you don't normally talk directly back to me. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you again for joining. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on. Not a problem. Thanks a lot again.